The man who was born as Reginald Kenneth Dwight legally changed his name in 1972, chosen for his love of blues legends Elton Dean and Long John Baldry. Sir Elton Hercules John, and yes, his middle name is Hercules, has released 30 studio albums, in addition to his live albums, soundtracks, and compilations. Out of all of those albums he has released, many consider his 1973 album to be one of his best, and it was listed as number 91 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. The album contains such hits as Candle in the Wind, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Benny and the Jets, and of course, the titular track, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Welcome back to Any Album You Like, the show where I repeatedly subject myself to watching The Wizard of Oz synced up to various albums of my guests choosing. Today, I have on the podcast James Anderson from the podcast Unabashedly Obsessed and also Blink and You'll Miss It. Uh, How's it going today, James? It's going very well. Uh, Thank you for thank you so much for having me. I love this show. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I haven't actually released any of it at the time of this recording. So Regardless. I'm, I'm glad you've... Yeah, I've already got a five-star review from you somehow. <laughs> so today we are talking about the album that you chose, uh, which is Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Yes. Now, I ask the same two questions of every guest. The first one... I'm pretty sure I know the answer to. <laughs> Why did you choose this album? I was thinking about this. Um, it's a complicated answer. Okay. <laughs> the first is primarily due to the title being a reference to the movie. And then also, Judy Garland is a uh, gay icon, as is Elton John. So kind of maybe a secondary... Uh, maybe a minor secondary reason too, but mostly the first one, almost entirely the first one. Okay, so like ninety nine percent to one percent. Like the first one, all the way up until I was actually watching the movie and being like, "Hey, you know what I just thought of?" <laughs> okay, <laughs> so sort of, sort of a, an in the moment realization. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My second question is, what did you expect? When when you sat down to watch this and you hit the play button, what is it that you were expecting you were going to get out of this? Um, the only thing that I wanted out of this was for the opening track, which is a which is half an instrumental, like an atmospheric instrumental piece, to do something cool with the movie. That was basically all I was all I was in for. I'm actually I wasn't super familiar with this album, which was one of my criteria for picking it i didn't want an album that i was like yes yes i know this album very well i know this i know the singles you know the first half of the album i knew pretty well but like, i think most people probably know the the first half pretty well yeah but like the rest of it i wasn't super uh, you know i didn't really know it very well so i i thought that would be that would be good for coming at it fresh and i'm you know i've seen wizard of oz before but i wasn't like aware of the 
I'm not going to be the expert that you're going to be by the end of this uh, <laughs> this show. <laughs> I've already come up with some some crazy theories about how uh, how my thoughts on the Wizard of Oz by the time I get through ten of these. Yeah, so. definitely. You uh, yeah. So I was basically that was sort of what I was expecting was that. Uh, funeral for a friend would have some cool stuff and hoping for some revelations based on not really being uh aware of the of the of the latter half of the album okay i have immediately two thoughts when you say that first of all i also wasn't very um familiar with this album i don't think i've ever actually sat down and listened to a whole elton john album yeah despite the i mean everybody knows who elton john is i don't if you don't know who Elton John is, why are you listening to this podcast where we talk about music? Because, you know, everybody everybody knows at least one Elton John song. Right. I was thinking that we could subtitle this episode, Benny and the James. <laughs> uh, that, would, that would work pretty well, I think. It's accurate. <laughs> Even though Benny in the song is a lady and I am not that. Right. Well, in the movie, it was a tornado, but we'll get to it. Right, we will we will get to that. <laughs> the other thing is, I think it's interesting that that your main goal was you wanted that first track to sync up really well because I think both times that came around, it was kind of the highlight of this entire experience. The first the first track? Yeah, both on the first playthrough and on the second playthrough, um just the energy about it, the, you know, that the fact that the whole first half is is an instrumental. Yeah. There's a lot of it that I really enjoyed. Yeah. And so I would say in that respect, you nailed it. Yeah. You got a, you, exactly what you wanted out of this. I, I was, I was, I was quite pleased. Like I had, how I set it up, I rarely mute our TV. So I, I had to sort of figure out what, which remote to do to, <laughs> to do that, you know? So I hit the, you know, I, I got the lion's roar, hit play on the album and then set up, set to thinking of how to figure out how to, how to mute it. But I hit mute and like, the album starts with like wind blowing, which is of course super appropriate, and it makes the opening credits of the movie seem a lot more like ominous. And I thought it was yes. really really cool. I did wa- I did wonder how much the movie influenced some of the incidental stuff on the album. Like you know, if you're gonna call it Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, is it just about that song or? are you going to have sort of wind related stuff on some of your, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question because um, there are multiple songs on this album that are singing about young girls who are specifically only 16. Right. Like it's not even just one track. It's, it's like, I think two different tracks. Right. So yeah, I kind of, I'm going to kind of have to wonder that now too because yeah. like i mean i know in in the book she's supposed to be younger but judy garland was you know like about 16 was she i think yeah i think so we looked it up in the first episode and my mind has already melted <laughs> because this is the third time i have done this now uh i will have to go back and listen to my own episode apparently <laughs> but yeah and so in in that in those opening in that opening bit i just i really like half of my notes are just like these synth chords fucking rule yeah. for this opening. Yeah. Like the synth works so perfectly. And I was actually like, I, I don't think I've ever heard this song before in my life, to be honest. And shit, I loved it. I, that, <laughs> this is a great fucking song. It absolutely is. Yeah. 
It really is. I like that um, there, there's a bit of like fanfare. I guess it's synth fanfare, but it's like dun da da da. Um, uh-huh. But it sounds a lot cooler and like more rocky than that. It happens in the first iteration, right when the director's name comes up on the screen. Yes, I was like, yeah, I have that written <laughs> down. So good. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really like. There's, there's part of me that feels like Elton John might be more enjoyable as an instrumental list. Like, as, okay, I forget. I think Elton John does the music and Bernie Taupin does the lyrics, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that in what what I want really is that is for Elton John to just be like, uh, all right, Bernie, give, give, give me a, give me an album <laughs> off. I'm just going to do an instrumental piece on this on this one. I think I'd be really fucking into that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool, but probably that won't happen, I guess. <laughs> so so right off the bat, so. I've I've got I've got a couple of crazy theories okay. uh spawned off of of I mean pretty much every album I've done up to this point. But um so the first one I have for this one, uh and it's not it's not a universal thing throughout, but specifically every time this this track comes up, is that every character sort of has their own instrument. Okay. Like yep. it's this it's this repeated theme, the the transition into when you see Dorothy for the first time, it it switches to from the synth to piano. Oh, nice! Yes. And so, kind of throughout, Dorothy is represented by this piano. Yes. And then you've got a couple of times where um, Toto is synth is like this higher, uh, like synth in a higher register. Yeah. And then the the Wicked Witch and um, Miss Gulch are the kind of low synth. Okay. And like there are just a couple of things that just sync up so perfectly. Like it's it's not quite Peter and the Wolf, right? But like it really wants to be. Yeah. And I was all about that. It was very good. I definitely I definitely got like um, themes for characters as well. Not necessarily um, instruments, but like I don't know if this is jumping ahead too much. But Candle in the Wind is Professor Marvel's theme because it plays. It is exactly the length of the first scene. Like it, the scene is end. The scene is over exactly as Candle in the Wind ends, and I was like, "This is what this is what this podcast is all about." He also he also lights candles in that scene. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I don't want to jump ahead, but like on the second iteration, it's entirely when that dude is revealed to be the it's the man behind the curtain part of the of of the of the Oz scene. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't write that. I was like, I didn't think Candle in the Wind played as well on the second playthrough, but you're right. It absolutely did that. It it started, it, it played when, uh, uh, no, let's take a break for, for a sec to, to do some Wizard of Oz plot. Uh, you know, James needs to understand the story. Is that <laughs> okay, Professor yes. Marvel or some other dude? Because it's the same actor, but it's her dream, right? So she's dreaming it's some other guy, right? Right, because I mean, each one, each of like the Professor Marvel and Miss Gulch and the farmhands are all represented sort of in right different characters in Oz. Yeah, it is interesting to note that the wizard specifically says he's a man from Kansas, yeah. though. Yeah. So I always assumed it was that he was the same dude. 
I mean, I think I think it's it's a very subtle thing, but sort of the the uh, makeup that they yeah. have on him as the wizard, like he's got these really uh, accented cheekbones, mm. and he's got sort of a really accented chin. Yeah. That uh, that Professor Marvel doesn't have. Yeah. Okay. So and it's way more subtle than like that transition between like Zeke and the Scarecrow, or I think that's I always forget this farmhand's name. Hunk Hickory and Zeke. Okay, you pulled that one out of the, the air real quick. <laughs> I just love I love a guy named Hunk. <laughs> and then the at the end, I didn't know the I didn't know the Tin Man's guy, guy's name until the very end. But he's like. Oh, come on. You wouldn't forget me, Hickory? I was like, well, Hickory. <laughs> you've, you've done been forgot, Hickory. Sorry, man. And then and then good old Zeke. Yeah. Because, yeah, Zeke is, Zeke is the scarecrow, right? Ze- no, Zeke is the lion. Hunk is Shit. the scarecrow. And Hickory oh, right, is the because, okay. man. You think I would know that? Because, so, in the original script, there was supposed to be, like, a whole love thing between hunk and dorothy right so you'd think i'd remember that because hunk is the hunk right he's the one that you know dorothy knocks the proverbial ruby red slippers with right exactly the original okay (laughs) you should i i I wish someone now that i'm now that i'm thinking about it i'm wishing someone had done the david bowie album hunky dory (laughs) yeah i'm doing a, a bowie album but not that one okay cool so and yeah, I don't I don't think there's any problem with skipping around. In the first episode, we did sort of a play by play. And then in, in the previous episode, we were just kind of like, here's all the best parts. The rest doesn't fucking sync up. <laughs> well, then in that case, can we talk about Benny and the Jets? All right, let's do it. Because it's it's the tor- I called it the tornado theme. And the first the first lyrics of that of that song are, hey, kids, shake it loose together. The spotlight's hitting something that's been known to change the weather. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me with this? <laughs> My theory is that the tornado scene makes or breaks an album. Okay. Because so far, three for three, every tornado scene has been good. Okay. And so I'm, I'm waiting for the, to- for, for the album... Where the tornado scene isn't good, and it's going to be such a letdown. Do you think that that's because of like pacing on an album and pacing in a movie is is similar? Like because of like a attention, like a human attention span thing, or like what do you think? No, why do you think that is? Well, or just a coincidence? Hmm. It's a good question because part part of the reason we had such a problem with uh, last week's episode was that all the tracks on it are pretty short. Yeah. So you got through almost an entire playthrough of the album before you go to Oz. Oh, what was the album? It was uh, Apollo 18 by They Might Be Giants. Okay. But, I mean, I guess it's still, you know, the same point. It's more tracks, but it's the same point in that album. So I don't know. There might just be something about, you know, you need some, some, like, action right there in an album and also it's where the action happens to be in the movie yeah Hmm. but no benny and the jets was really good though yeah um you know i had like people uh, oh the 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 crowd in the background sounds i mean it's it's a crowd sound yeah but like it sounds a little bit like wind coming in absolutely 
Absolutely. There's some like great instrumental parts as everybody's flying by the window. Yeah. And she's like in her dream sequence. You get this w- great weird synth part right as the house lands. Yeah. Yeah. Like the entirety of Benny and the Jets is perfect. Yeah. Um, which for those playing along at home, I have it written down that Benny and the Jets starts literally as it fades into the tornado scene. Yeah. Yep. As she walks away from uh professor marvel and then you get that scene transition start benny and the jets it's worth it. yeah absolutely it's it's fantastic and then i mean like that was awesome and i was like oh man i hope that something else cool happens when that comes around again i wasn't i didn't i don't i didn't write anything down i don't think for the second iteration of uh of benny and the jets but the one that i did the one that uh, for me the home run of the whole movie okay is the title track. Yes, I, I will definitely agree with that. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road starts right as the Yellow Brick Road comes onto the onto the screen. And <laughs> I was like, oh hello, Yellow Brick Road. Like it it's it's ama- it's an amazing amazing thing. And then of course it, it 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 then happens again at the end when she's saying goodbye to everyone. So it's like Right. <laughs> It's it couldn't be like it's like a double tap of like an amazing sync up. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I will be I will be totally honest. When you requested to do this album, I created a whole spreadsheet that timed out like what part would be synced up to what because I needed to know if at the very end, if it was going to fade out to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And I was like, oh, not quite. But that means it's going to be right when she goes back to can. Like, I was I was so excited. <laughs> because, I mean, that, that I will say, James, yeah. is a very high-risk gamble. <laughs> because you are going in with this title track <laughs> right. named for this movie. It could have been a swing and a miss. Yeah. And somehow... It came around twice, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's well. It all it makes me think. Like it makes me think that there's something larger at work here because having Candle in the Wind and and you know Candle in the Wind, admittedly not as good the second time around, but having those two songs happen at the same like and, and like you know at the at sort of the hello and goodbye of the Yellow Brick Road of like the two Professor Marvel analogs makes me wonder about like the structure of the film and like uh you know ring structure you know fancy film theory stuff that i don't really know or understand (laughs) but it it makes me feel like well maybe there's something happening here and i don't know what it is so i don't know um i i do have a question though just uh this is just a wizard of oz question what is a what is a a slitch a slitch the kitchen took a slitch is what my subtitles said in that uh, ding, you know, the witch is dead. The kitchen took a slitch, and I, I don't know what that is. That seems like a made-up word. Can we just agree that that's probably just a made-up word? Um, I will agree to that, yes. Okay, good. All right, I can get back into the sync-up now, because that... <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> my theory, like I said, I've, I've got the one for different instruments for different people, like on the second playthrough of um, Funeral for a Friend. Yeah. Um, oh no! So it was actually on the it was on the second playthrough of Benny and the Jets. Okay. Literally, I think my my only 
major note other than I literally wrote nothing good going on here. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. Thanks, Ben. (laughs) That's helpful. But I did write that there is a moment, the moment that Toto sees that cat in the crowd and jumps out of Dorothy's arms. Yeah you get that high synth again. Oh, nice. Like, for just that moment. I'm like, oh, my God. So Toto's the high synth. Like I said, I've, I've got a couple of other notes. Um, I just, I don't know where they are at this point. But there's a lot of a lot of piano surrounding Dorothy. Yeah. The one I really love, though, is the, the really low notes on that synth for uh, The Wicked Witch. Yeah. Because... Um, in, in when you're back in Kansas and Miss Gulch rides up, First, you see Miss Gulch right into frame, and you get this like really cool guitar solo. Yeah, and then it uh, stops as she parks her bike. Yeah, like so it's it's perfectly timed. But then a couple of times when the witch comes in, um, you get these really like dirty low sort of synth notes, and it works so perfectly for the character. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to see like an album where it's not necessarily like the the lyrics are are relevant, but more just like. Peter and the Wolf style, yeah. Wizard of Oz, like, and I think Elton John can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's. I mean, like, I, I noticed that. I definitely noticed um, the guitar solo when she was when she was writing up. I think it's really cool. Like, I wonder if we went back and watched it again with this album, if we'd notice other themes f- like percussion, maybe, or something for this, like the Scarecrow and the. The, the the yellow brick road gang as i like to call them it's a good name yeah i think that it's you know it, it's that of the cobras <laughs> <laughs> or the mongooses or the fighting the, mongooses or the fighting mongooses i'm just it's i'm going to work that into every episode <laughs> you guest on any of my podcasts now <laughs> i like it it seems like a it seems like an arbitrary and wonderful goal so my other theory that i have okay and it's it's it honestly I don't think it panned out quite as well as I really would have hoped. Um, but my second theory is the Tin Man. Yeah. Is a serial killer. Okay. 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 So here's here's how my theory goes. So we meet the Tin Man, and then sort of partway through the Tin Man's introduction, uh, we get to the song "The Ballad of Danny Bailey." Okay. Which is all about a kid getting murdered by a shotgun. Right. And first of all, the Tin Man looks way too happy about the death of a kid by a shotgun. (laughs) Like, I will say this. I've never noticed just how expressive the actor who played the Tin Man is. Yeah. Because he gives some looks. Yeah. Yeah. And depending on the soundtrack, sometimes it's he's in love with the Scarecrow. Right. In this version, thanks to our good friend Elton John. Yes. He is now way too happy and expressive about the fact that this kid is dead. Yeah, it's he seems like a little bit heartless about it. A little bit, yeah. So maybe, maybe he's a serial killer who doesn't want to be a serial killer, but he just can't stop because he doesn't have a heart. I, I, I wrote down that, that he didn't have a theme, and I wonder if the themes represent like emotional investment and if he's a sociopath then he has no emotional investment okay so him not having a theme like because like the scarecrow i've seen that movie too is like the entirety of the scarecrow's first scene a dirty little girl is the lion's theme but the tin man notably didn't have any music that synced up with him with his scene at all like 
it didn't like it, it started in that that uh, the Danny Bailey song started in the middle of his scene, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yes, absolutely. So it's almost like he didn't have anything that he was that he was synced up to, like he was out of sync with society. Well, so well, I think he well he does sort of uh, straddle that line where like you're right, he doesn't have a song that just fits in that scene. Yeah. I did. I did notice that he makes a sort of chopping motion with his hand right as the line "cut short his life" is said. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> and then there's also this part in the song where they're just singing a bunch of like "ooh-ooh-ooh"s. I think that's what I wrote. Yeah. O h h o o eight whatever. But so they're just singing this bunch of "oohs," and it's when he's kind of he's trying to move and so he's kind of rotating his leg around and that worked bizarrely well to it in like a way that should not make any sense that is awesome so so i think you're right i think that he's got no real theme to him because he's just out of sync with society and also he literally just kills people for fun right but doesn't want to. He knows it's wrong. Right. It's But he does not have the empathy to stop because <laughs> he needs his heart. What is the other song that plays? What song finishes um, Sweet, Sweet Painted, Painted Lady? Lady. Mm. Which is interesting also because um, it's a song about a prostitute. Right. And it's a bunch of stuff about like, uh, I have the, the line, love's just a job and nothing is said, I think is how the line goes. And like, if, if love is just a job, like... You don't need a heart. You can fake it, right. right? Good call. So, you know, so I think I think those do play into the Scarecrow a little bit. But you're right. Everybody else, like, I, I will say in addition to, to just a great opening track, a great title track, this album worked great because of how well it played with the scene transitions. Yeah, I agree. So many new songs started right as the scene changed. I agree. Not everyone. Yeah. But just the the number where it's like it's fading out and the song's fading out, you get that clean transition and then the song changes and I'm like this is actually a little <laughs> bit creepy how well most of these are working out. Yeah, I agree. I have that Jamaica jerk off ended right as she leaves the Munchkin town and I have that the song Gray Seal actually uh, synced up with the the Munchkins like marching. There was a point where oh, they were God. like marching really yes. nicely. And that was like a like a cadence that that fit with how the Munchkins were marching. Yeah. So the not only the Munchkins marching, but the the Lullaby League kick in time with yes. it. Yes. The Lollipop Guild kick in time with it. I mean, it's 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 too good. Yeah. I had one more lyrical uh, sync up when they're singing about the witch being dead, the Wicked Witch of the East being dead. The line there's a line in I'm not sure which song. Uh, maybe Gray Seal, take me down alleys where the murders are done. I mean, sure, I get it. You just fucking killed a witch. It's, so. it's in Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I just looked it up. Oh, no, it's in, sorry, it's in This Song Has No Title. Sorry about that. Yeah. I do also like how in This Song Has No Title, the, the line, um, if we're going somewhere, let's get there soon, is said as Dorothy gets into the carriage. Yeah. And then she takes that like 12 second ride around the this curve and then the line is said again as she's getting out of the carriage yeah also what a shitty carriage ride right i mean what is the point of that that it seems like entirely just posturing right like look you get a carriage ride it's almost like you know we add it to your bill like if they got a bill and it was like (laughs) carriage ride 
horse changed oh my God. color. Can, <laughs> can you imagine the bill that Dorothy would get from a trip to Oz? You got to pay for carriages. You've got to pay for uh, horses that change color. You've got to change for all the opium in that poppy field. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's gonna skyrocket that bill. And then, of course, the the cocaine that is rumored to be the snow that the wicked that the uh, Glenda the Good Witch drops on her to wake her up from her opium haze. I never put that together, but a cocaine is a stimulant. I get it. <laughs> Wait, is this a thing people actually like? Yeah. <laughs> I always just like, oh, snow is cold. Snow is, that would right. If someone, if somebody put a bunch of snow on me, I'd wake up. Right. Right. Yeah. No. I think that, that that it's it's definitely people are like the opium is is heroin or you know just opium is fine. But and then the snow is is cocaine. I mean, I will say, and this is not my story, so I don't know how much exactly I should tell of this. But a friend of mine was out really late one night and uh, got real drunk. He had he had ridden his bike there, so you know he's walking his bike home. He's being responsible. Don't drink and bike. Right. So he's he's walking his bike home, but it's taking forever because he's walking the bike home. And then next thing he knows, he he is waking up in a field because he he just he was so drunk and it was taking so long to get home. But he also it had started snowing. And so he woke up under this pile of snow. <laughs> so maybe snow doesn't work when you're all whacked out on opiates. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Maybe maybe just uh, I don't know. This isn't. I guess seems like a field trip. I guess like a like an experiment. I guess that needs to be. <laughs> I guess. Also, the look on your face when I was telling you about my friend waking up in a field covered in snow was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, like I said, this is this is my the third time I've watched this. Yes, in a week. I literally watched. I've watched it twice this week. Right. As far as my own experiences with the Wizard of Oz is going. I expected to kind of hate it by the third watch. I'm actually really enjoying it by the third watch because I'm, you know, I'm noticing all these new things, all these great details. I'm really appreciating a lot of the costuming and set design and all of that. Yeah. However, now literally every time I watch this for the rest of this season, I'm going to be thinking about cocaine <laughs> falling on Dorothy. Uh, so thanks for that. Hey, James. you're welcome. That's just what I'm. I I, I bring <laughs> drug references to to my podcast. I don't know if that's uh, if if you're aware of that. I I can't help it. I guess you could say Ben that I'm addicted. <laughs> I want to ask you more about um, having watched it multiple times. But first, I want to say that um, I really like the line, he wanted to be a lion, not a mouse, in the the lion's uh, if I only had the nerve, the noive. I think it's really fun when, I think it's a very sort of Ogden Nashian, like, just make the rhyme work. We we all know what you're talking about. We know that mouse means mouse. I really like that a lot, and I, I wrote a note about it. I feel like that's the work you put into a 1939 production, and in, like, 2018, or just, like, whatever. I just rhymed it with mouse. Fuck off. <laughs> like, you got a problem? Let's fight about it's it. It's called a near rhyme. Emily Dickinson, love them. <laughs> people people ride hard for Emily Dickinson these days, Ben. Do they? Yeah. Now, like, 
Uh, so I was going to say tattoos, but of course there are probably tattoos. But now I'm thinking about like a biker gang. Yeah. An Emily Dickinson biker gang, which would of course be named. Um, I can only think of one Emily Dickinson poem right now. I mean, I feel like the tattoo would be because I could not stop for death. He kindly stopped for me. Something like stop for death or something like that. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, not actually into the biker gang because I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. Right. But neither did Emily Dickinson. So maybe they just walk their motorbikes. Okay. And then wake up in fields of 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 snow. <laughs> or cocaine. It's a biker gang. Who can tell? It's Emily. It's an Emily exactly. Dickinson related biker gang. The cocaine is probably going to be just really flowing. So how does how does watching the movie multiple times does it improve your experience of it? Like are you able to focus more on the album? Like cuz I felt I feel like uh, my notes started to drift into like oh weird I never noticed this about this movie before. I th- I think it's the third episode in a row I'm bringing it up, but my the first episode, my notes literally said, I didn't realize they gave him a fucking revolver, <laughs> because the Scarecrow has a revolver. Yeah. And I've seen, I mean, I've seen the movie, you know, probably about a dozen times before this, and I never noticed the revolver. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of a mixed bag, yeah. because, you know, I'm, I'm having to take all these notes in real time. Right. Because... You know, when I'm when I'm doing my other podcast, if I notice something like in the background and I want to make a note of it, I can pause it. I can rewind it. It's hard to do when you're trying to sync up two different sources. Yeah. It's kind of like a a you start it, you're in it to win it. Yeah. And then, you know, um, so it's kind of a mixed bag because I feel like there's a lot I'm missing. Yeah, because I'm I'm writing notes. But then there's also a lot of times when I'm like. Um, you know, sp- specifically in, in songs, I'm like, eh, there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah. Um, I don't have to take the most in-depth notes. And so in that case, it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching the, um, I'm watching it for the third time in, in a week. Yeah. Um, I mean, like if you want to talk about, you know, like I was saying, the tornado scene almost always is just fucking amazing. Yeah. Conversely, the lion's song, if I were king. Yeah almost never works to anything that's because it doesn't fit and i hate that song i really hate that song ben there's no play there's no reason for it it's it's a vain like it is just <laughs> masturbatory in it's like oh bert lar wants to do more lion stuff i guess we'll give him another song <laughs> it does feel a little bit out of place Ugh. i will absolutely agree with that and especially especially in a movie you know, made in 39 when it, the pacing's already kind of off to us. Yeah. And if you, I mean, if you cut that, no offense to anybody who like loves If I Were King, but. But fuck you. If you <laughs> um, I was just going to say that I think you could cut it and not really miss anything. Yeah, if I were no longer already, in the movie, it's more like it. We've already established that the lion, you know, wants to be brave. Right. And we're getting a second song about how he wants to be brave. Right. That's what I was going to say. But um, <laughs> apparently you just decided to go nuclear with it. And yeah, fuck you. Yeah. You know, that's tomato, just, tomato. Yeah, that's just how I, that's just how I roll. Yeah. I, I just like is it doesn't that song take place after they've gotten their mission from the wizard. So like 
Is it or is it when they're waiting for it's, the wizard? It's when they they have sent the the guy in the big fluffy green hat to go talk to the wizard to get an audience with him. Yeah. So it's before they get turned down the first time. Right. Right. Um, so they're just kind of killing time. Right. You know, in, in 2018, if you were making this movie, you would send the guy off, you'd show a clock, and then it would fade <laughs> to a different time, and then the guy would come back and be like, the wizard says to fuck off. <laughs> Here, it's like, we have to show this passage of time somehow. Right. Let's make the lion sing this song. I mean, like... like uh, yeah, I just... I wish they could have... Maybe the pampering takes a little longer, or maybe they get to eat some sort of Emerald City food or whatever. I would like to see the, I mean, I would like to see the food in Emerald City. Uh, Emerald City doesn't have Yelp, so I don't know what I'm getting into. Right, exactly. Why is that food, why is this slab of steak changing colors in the exact same way that horse we saw earlier was changing colors? That is questionable. Yeah. Questionable restaurant. Yeah. One star. Were, were, it, was that carriage ride so short because it was just? Was it? Were we actually in like a slaughterhouse sort of situation? <laughs> <laughs> get off here before you get to the abattoir. Nice. Thanks. An abattoir is a, is a slaughterhouse. You probably knew that. Oh, I but... know. We've we've both we've both listened to the Dr. Marvin Monroe uh, vocabulary builder, <laughs> so we are both very familiar with that. <laughs> If you're going to continue to call me on my shit, then... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, do have, I do have another fun note about uh, some of the stuff that syncs up in this. Yes. Uh, both times you get the, the opening track, Funeral for a Friend slash Love Lies Bleeding. Yes. Almost. Not every time, but almost every time you get the, lo- the line, Love Lies Bleeding in My Hands. Yeah. She is touching Toto in some way. Oh. And so I'm going to say that love is represented by Toto. Okay. I like it. Because in the first play, she's she's uh, her hands are on Toto. Um I wrote she she keeps grabbing Toto at the word hands. Uh and then the second playthrough, oh, like she is literally handed Toto yeah. as they as they are like breaking in to get Dorothy. She is literally handed Toto as the line "Love is bleeding in my hands" comes back. Yeah, every, like almost every That's time. That's amazing. It's insane. That's so. So my my theory is, dogs are great. I mean, that checks out. It definitely checks that out. That is my that is my official guess as to what Elton John meant when he was <laughs> writing this album to the Wizard of Oz. So like not bleeding like bleeding blood but like bleeding awesomeness and cuteness yeah exactly i did notice that the the fanfare that happened at the director's name the first playthrough uh happens when Mm -hmm. toto makes his escape and leaps from the bridge to the rocks yeah it was like i was like hey achievement unlocked awesome and that's and that's that same synth instrument i was talking about that represents toto he's he's synth and he's love, and he released a hit single in the 80s called Africa. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He's done it all. He has, he, he's really had a storied career. And can I just say yeah. how much I love the the energy of that second playthrough of Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding. Yeah. When they are running around the castle, like 
it is great action music. Absolutely, it is. Why? I fucking love this song, James. I can't believe I've never heard this Elton John song in my life until I sat down to watch it with uh, listen to it with the Wizard of Oz. Aren't you glad you did this podcast? Um, I'll let you know when I finish the season. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's it's cool because like it starts super ominously, and then that second playthrough, the ominous part is where they're like approaching the castle and like trying to like sneak up and then like as the action ramps up the song ramps up for if if anybody wants to try that one uh i have that song starts on the line and you my dear what an unexpected pleasure um which is from the witch as dorothy's in captivity yeah there um it was very very good yeah it's really really good when she when she's skyping with auntie m and then I mean, I guess that is what it is, yes. <laughs> and then, and the connection's really bad, and so then it, like, flips over to the witch, and the witch's head is all big, and then she looks into the camera and laughs. That scared me as a kid, and that scared me last night. It is one of the scariest moments in cinematic history, hands down. Ugh. The witch can see you, man, and she's laughing, because she doesn't care. And she's killing Auntie M somehow. It is sort of an interesting, like, fourth wall break yeah. where it's like all of a sudden the witch is looking at you, but since it's through that crystal ball, it also kind of doesn't feel like a fourth wall break. Right. Yeah. So I get that. Like, it's still in universe, but also just like, oh, this witch is coming for you next, though. Yeah, exactly. Your little dog and the audience watching this movie. Can I ask another plot question? Yes. Is Dorothy going to die when the hourglass gets done hourglassing? because of some sort of spell or is when the hourglass is done that's when the witch is coming back to kill her i kind of always assumed the second okay i always assumed the first it's i don't think it's really ever explained she's like when this is done you're gonna die but like how how, how is that gonna like i wish that the villain could have monologued just a little bit more you know <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe the witch didn't really have a plan, yeah. and so she's like, "Shit, I gotta come up with something, <laughs> but I gotta make it look like I know what I'm doing." So, um, check out this hourglass. When it's when it's done, you're done. And then, like, she leaves, and then she's like, "Shit, shit, shit! What do I do? Gotta, gotta figure." I've I've never had to kill a 16 year old girl from Kansas before. Yeah, the the Wicked Witch of the East was the hitman, mm-hmm. and then. Then her muscle was gone, crushed by house. Bad way to go. So, do you have do you have any major disappointments with this uh, with this synchronization? I was disappointed a little that the latter half of the album that I was so looking forward to didn't sync up as well as I had hoped. It makes me think that that. For the first time, I may be realizing that it may be that the album is a little bit front-loaded. I would absolutely say it's front-loaded. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was a little disappointed, and it may be and it may be because I'm not as familiar with the latter half of the album. I was like listening to the songs for like maybe the third time in my life, and so I was like I didn't know what was going to happen. Whereas like 
with Benny and the Jets, I was like, ooh, is that whistle from the crowd going to come up when someone is on the screen during the tornado? Hey, it kind of did. But, like, I don't know what's going to happen on the song, who knows what, Harmony, I guess, which was, like, the last track, um, because I'm not as familiar with it. So I wasn't able to anticipate it as well. Really what I'm saying is I was only disappointed in myself. We looked for disappointments and turned out the disappointment was us all along. Yes, and, oh, well, okay. No, I I would absolutely agree with that. It was, I mean, I think you're right. It's a front-loaded album. You know, I'm not going to say that the the latter half was bad. It's just like, you know, by the time by the time I was most of the way through the album, like I just I can't wait to get back to the top of the album <laughs> right, again. Right. Yeah, but no, I I think um, you know, I I think that there was a, a fair amount of other things I didn't really go over, just little tiny things here and there. Yeah. But honestly, I'm I'm so unfamiliar with a lot of this album that I'm like I don't understand my own notes half the time. <laughs> You know, like little things like in the song Roy Rogers is something about uh, the carpets all paid for is a line. And um, the lion's literally wearing the, the carpet as a cape oh, during If I Were King. Yeah. You know, like little little bits here and there, but they were just so sporadic yeah. that I'm like, you know, I'd only vaguely interesting. Um, so there are two songs. Um, hold on. Let me look up the track list. Um that happen right when they get to the Emerald City. It's your sister can't twist, but she can rock and roll, and Saturday night's all right for fighting. That I was like, I was going with a theory about the Emerald City is like is like where the swing and rock is happening. Like it, it like it was like two songs in a row right when they got to Oz, where it was like, oh, now we're in the city. But then Roy Rogers happened, and the rest of the album happened, and it didn't hold up. But right, I mean, like I think. I have under Saturday nights all right for fighting. I wrote there's literally no fighting or action in this scene. <laughs> like it's it's when they're all getting cleaned up yeah. and um I'm like, "Man, you chose the the least fighting time to do this. They're getting like manicures and they're getting baths and bows in their hair and it's talking about how Saturday's all right for fighting and I'm like, "Must be a Friday then." <laughs> yeah, because, exactly. Uh, I don't see any fighting in here. I think... Now, I've heard that Americans don't understand Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Okay. I think, possibly, that it's not about fighting, like, going out and fighting someone, but rather about, like, going to the fights. Okay. So, it might be that it is, in some way, about, like, preparing to go out. In which case, okay. it sinks up a I little get bit. I that then. Yeah. Um, hmm. But I'm I'm also American, despite my uh, smooth British accent, and so I'm not sure what the actual meaning behind the song is. And I didn't look it up on Genius to uh, get any insight because I'm uh, I'm really phoning this one in. Also, I mean, speaking of that, I was surprised at how many of Elton John's songs on this album are about American things like Kansas and. Um, uh, it mentioned like a couple of ve- other very specific American things, and I don't, I don't, I didn't write those down specifically. I was looking for the Wizard of Oz shit, right? Well, but... like, like, uh, like Roy Rogers, right? Yeah, I mean, Roy Rogers is like an American icon. Right. I think like the Ballad of Danny Bailey has some like American stuff. Um, well, it, d- it going has. On. D- it mentions Dillinger in that song, if I'm not mistaken. 
so yeah, I was I was just very surprised to hear like that much Americana from Elton John. Yeah, you you kind of have to wonder if um he was influenced by, you know, this was his seventh album, so I wonder if it was like he'd just been touring for, you know, so long that he that he like had had um you know, assimilated some American culture into his into his life. I have to imagine that uh and of course it was Bernie Toppin that wrote the lyrics, so now Bernie Toppin is also English though, just confirming. Yeah. Um so I don't know. Um it 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 um you know I think that there's something to identify with um you know Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. You know, it's it's interesting that, that like, you know, at least the character of Elton John identifies with this Kansas, you know, farm girl upbringing, having, you know, been born and raised, I would imagine, in in England. I don't know if, if I, I don't know. I, I, I have to imagine it's, um, it's some sort of, uh, you know, assimilation from having toured America a lot. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'd be interested uh, if anybody knows, um, you know, I'd be interested to uh, to hear a little bit more about you know, where those lyrics specifically came from. Um, so as, as we are kind of closing down on the show, um, I will ask you, or I, I do have one other question, which is um, on a, on a scale from a single candle in the wind, okay, which is not very bright and, and easy to blow out to 10 candles in the wind, which is much brighter. And um, any 10 year old can tell you much harder to blow out. <laughs> Where would you rate this experience of watching watching The Wizard of Oz with Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? Well, uh, to start, I'm going to um, to tell you that the candle is actually a, um, an obsolete obsolete unit of expressing luminous intensity on its own. Thank you. It, uh, you can when you were saying candles, it was uh, defined by in the UK by the Metropolitan Gas Act of 1860. But in answer to your more specific question. Um, <laughs> Can you ask the question again? I was looking up what a candle is. <laughs> uh, yes, on a on a scale of of a single candle in the wind, um, which is not a very good score because it will blow out pretty easily. Yes. To ten candles in the wind, uh, which is you know a, a pretty bright and great thing to to see. Where would you rate this experience? I think I'm going to have to go with I'll go with I'll go with six candles in the wind. Okay. Um I think that the parts that synced up Funeral for a Friend, Candle in the Wind, Benny and the Jets, Goodbye Elric Road primarily, and then all the minor stuff like, you know, the various themes I've seen in that movie too, Dirty Little Girl. I think that those made up for the parts of the album that didn't sync up well enough that I think that it it did a better than average experience. Of course, we know that a, a five year old's birthday is a, is the definition of an average experience. So I think that <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, that I think I'd go with six candles in the wind. Okay. Yeah, I I can appreciate that. Uh, I think I'm I'm gonna go with five candles in the wind. Okay. Just because I feel like the the first half of the album was pretty great, and then basically as 
uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road fades out. Everything past that was, you know, really sort of digging for for stuff. Yeah. It had a couple of moments, but like, uh, I mean, I I've got I've got no notes for Jamaica Jerk Off. Right. Like, it it was just it was pointless. Yeah. I really enjoyed the different uh, musical instrument themes. Yeah. That first track is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, the tornado scene was great, but then like you know if only like half the album is really working. Yeah. Uh, then it's it's five candles in the there, wind. That's by me. definition. Yeah, absolutely. I think that will do it for us, um, James. Where can people find out more about your podcasts and uh, you know follow those? Just give us a quick. Uh, a uh, quick rundown on on those podcasts that you are doing. Okay, the podcast that I'm doing, um, I actually have three. So, oh shit, I didn't know about the that's third okay one. because it's a secret one. So that's okay. So primarily, I do unabashedly obsessed with my friend Aaron. We talk about everything from we watch a movie that we've never seen before and talk about it to we watch a movie we've seen lots of times before and talk about it to Aaron read my tarot. Uh, last week so basically whatever occurs to us that it might be fun to do we do and it's a great time uh the best place to follow that is either if you're if you're sort of twitter inclined uh follow us at uh ufo podcast is where the podcast is and i am at unabashed james because uh twitter doesn't allow for a five letter name to have an adverb like unabashedly if you are more of a facebook type person you'd want to go to our group, which is lots and lots of fun. It's called Unabashedly Obsessed with Unabashedly Obsessed. And uh, we hang out there, and sometimes we come up with you know episodes that we're going to do right there in the group. Uh, and sometimes you know, I'll post a, an Anna Kendrick movie clip because we, we love Anna Kendrick uh, on our podcast. Who doesn't? Exactly. Heathens and communists. Um, it's okay. Communists are fine. They just don't like Anna Kendrick. It's, of course, the defining characteristic of communists. Uh, absolutely. I also have a, a show which is still relatively new, even though today I put out the 40th episode. It's called Blink and You'll Miss It. It's a Blink-182 discography podcast uh, where we are listening to the songs of Blink-182, Mark's side project, which is called Plus 44, and Tom, one of Tom's side projects, which is called Boxcar Racer listening to all of the songs from those projects in alphabetical order. Uh, it comes out Monday through Friday, and the catch is that each episode is no more than five minutes long. So it's a good one to binge because it'll. the catchphrase is that every episode is over before you know it, and that's that's literally true. Like, sometimes, like I recorded an episode last night, and I was like, oh, I didn't talk about that at all. Well, oh well, it's, you know, <laughs> we're done. Um, and then my third podcast is sort of a secret one, um, it is a, a countdown of Billboard's Alternative Songs chart. Uh, it's a top ten countdown, uh, and it is you can find that on my blog, uh, which is uh, which is called appetiteforDistraction.blogspot.com. Nice, thank you. And so that one is uh, not on iTunes yet, but that, I think that's just because I don't have a, a logo and not because it would be like rejected by iTunes or whatever. So uh, one of the plans is to get that on iTunes this year. Uh, but I am putting I'm putting together I think episode number 380 of that. I've been doing it since like 2010. So, Dang. yeah, it's 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 been 
it's been really fun to do and it taught me a lot, which helped me when Aaron and I were getting our podcast started. So those are the three places to find me sort of in descending order of internet presence, I think. So. All right. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, James, for uh, coming along with me on this bizarre journey. Well, thank you for having me. It was awesome. <sighs> thank you. I'll I'll edit out that groan that I just <laughs> did in the no I'm not gonna edit just that out. Just put the put the Benny and the Jets uh fan, like cheering crowd part in right after that. <laughs> Perfect, nailed it. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again for for coming on the the show and um until uh, until next week um where I'm watching. God, I think I think Bowie's up next, so that's gonna be a quite a transition. But yeah, I'll be back next week with that and. Uh, Thanks for listening. I don't remember if I have a sign-off yet. This is the third time I've done this podcast. Follow the Yellow Brick album. This has been Any Album You Like. I'm your host, Ben Mooney. If you would like to contact me about this or any other episode of the podcast, you can email me at anyalbumyoulike at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at anyalbum. If you liked this episode, consider leaving a review for it on iTunes. If you'd like to support me further, you can also buy me a coffee. The link for that is in the episode notes, or you can go directly to ko-fi.com slash benmooney. That's B-E-N-M-O-O-N-E-Y. 